Uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for coming. You might be getting a sense of why we're all here. But I'm here today to announce that uh, I will be retiring from full-time driving in the Virgin Australian Supercars Championship at the end of this season. I've always said there's always been two factors that keep me inside the race car, one being motivated to get up and doing what I love, and the other one being when still being competitive. Although my current contract with Triple Eight finishes in another 18 months' time, both Roland and I have come to the decision that this will be my last full-time drive in a supercar. Thing, you know, we're in the business of going fast and so are the teams and um, you know, they push it to the absolute limits and sometimes over it and that, that's what happens. And the full credit to Shane, you know, he just, just merged into the, into the family as if he'd been there all along. I was embarrassed for that race to restart in Tasmania. Dumps like that, that just isn't acceptable. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel in what has probably been the biggest announcement in some years at Townsville on Friday came the news that we all knew it was going to happen sometime, maybe probably later than sooner, that Craig Lowndes is going to be leaving the chair full time to become a co-driver and a Triple Eight ambassador. Big news, uh, Craig? Yes, it was. And... Uh, uh, Perhaps surprising at the time and location as well uh, that the decision was made, but certainly well received by the paddock and uh, also by the fans. And I'm certainly going to bring up that topic in our final thoughts later in the show. Indeed. And uh, one of the pure coincidences of uh, our job in uh, covering inside supercars is that we have a a real treat in having the man who... uh, was probably more responsible for getting Greg Lowndes than many others uh, into supercars, that being Jeff Gretsch, who's now, of course, team manager manager at uh, Preston High Racing, uh, responsible for Lee Holdsworth's uh, entry and Charlie Schwerkolt. And Jeff's coming on to talk about their year and their weekend, but uh, we're going to open up his uh, memory bank of the early days of Craig Lowndes when... Uh, Testing was something that was done with just one car at a time and there was no limit. Different different era. (laughs) Very different days. Um, Interesting, though, that at the front of the field, Lowndes was obviously there, but his stablemates reversed positions over the course of the two days with their results. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty cool place. It's always hot. The racing's super tough. Um, 70 uh, laps, 200 k's each day, and hot conditions. It's, it's hell out there. But um, the racing, the event's always awesome. Seeing everyone cheering on the in-lap and, and enjoying themselves and everyone smiling, it's um, really cool. The event here, everyone's so welcoming. Um, we do love coming up here. It's good. Indeed. And, uh, in fact, um, they very much... Uh contributed to each of their own success with uh, Jamie winning uh, on Saturday and uh, Shane Van Gisbergen on the Sunday. Um, Shane uh, made comment, I believe, about uh, the setup uh, coming from Jamie's car for the Sunday race, but uh, they were clearly had qualifying pace, although Scotty did get pole on Saturday, but Shane uh, did the shootout after setting the fastest time in qualifying as well, and they had race pace. On Saturday, it was a 14-second lead before a safety car for uh, Jamie Wincup. It was uh, days of old 
when the triple uh, eight cars were uh, rolling down the road and everyone else was wondering, uh, are we in the same class as those guys? It was a different time. It it was remarkable, really, and to think that on both occasions the third place was taken by Scott McLaughlin says that are we getting into a a period in supercar racing where we've got you know the two teams at front and then everyone else is fighting for the rest to Tickford Chasmosta got a fifth place so that would be encouraging for him on Sunday Winterbottom with a sixth on Saturday was probably a surprise and perhaps uh, part of the pit strategy then, although um, he did finish where he started, so that was possibly not as disappointing as uh, it does seem. But you do get the feeling that for Triple Eight and for DJR Team Penske, they are in a league of their own and the rest are, are fighting for the B Championship. Indeed. Fabian wasn't that close, though, on either day, so it really was a question of uh, uh, Scotty McLaughlin putting that uh, FGX on his shoulders and uh, carrying it around in a, in a way that uh, the others, all but those two Triple Eight cars, could do. Um, there were, t- you know, two classes of racing, and uh, the interesting thing was uh, while Triple Eight certainly had their two uh, cars uh, in the lead garage finish in front of Scotty, they've actually only pulled 30 points on him in the championship. So it wasn't a highly damaging one. Uh, If you're coming away with a pair of thirds, then Scotty can certainly look forward to saying that that was a a bad weekend, but uh, we'd minimise the damage. So onward and upward. And the man of the weekend, Tony, Craig Lowndes, had uh, a pair of fourths, which was also solid going and once again cements the situation where you have, you know, Red Bull well in front. And I'm sure the team was trying to manipulate that all Triple Eight podium, but uh, uh, Scotty is a class of driver that is uh, very rare. Yes, indeed. And he was able to uh, not necessarily keep Craig behind him. He had enough pace that uh, uh, Craig couldn't actually... uh, um, close the gap uh, sufficiently to put pressure on him. But, you know, it, it was uh, a little bit, um, uh, how do we say, processional, the racing at the weekend. There yep. was nothing that really stood out of any great uh, any great dices in, up and down the field, as compared with Darwin, where I thought there'd been some excellent racing, um, uh, you know, in the field, but uh, such as uh, the way it is. But... One of the few weekends, Tony, where the Formula One racing was better than the supercar racing, and you don't often say that. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, the dis- and, my and disappointment. Also probably a level of, I was just about to say, uh, and a level of whinging and whining from uh, Lewis Hamilton that uh, is Formula One level, in, in fact, from what I understand. Indeed, indeed. He's not uh, come out of that reek in uh, smelling like roses even though he drove from last place to second but i digress look one of the disappointments for me was the fact that david reynolds qualified so well and i don't know the machinations of sunday tony but on saturday and he, he spoke to us about the problems they're having in pit stops his left front wheel in his second pit stop was completely botched and that put them well down the pecking order on Saturday, and then he lost more places on Sunday. So 
he is a, a team that has got exceptional speed. Their cars are being put together perfectly now. Um, it's just that last piece of the puzzle, and it 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 confirms it's the exception that proves the rule that motor racing is a team sport, not an individual sport. Indeed. And in, in fact, uh, there were a number of drivers who uh, had their races, unfortunately, uh, messed up by pit crews. Um, Scotty Pye uh, had a, uh, a top 10 uh, place to go out the window when uh, they put a wrong wheel uh, on his car and he had to stop two laps later to get the correct one put on. So mm. it happens. And unfortunately, you know, they're needing to obviously work on those things and make sure they don't happen. Mm. In the Super 2s, interesting. We had uh, Jeff Slater on the show last week talking about the Kostekis, but it was Gary Jacobson and Chris Pither who split the weekend after Macaulay Jones was showing great speed as well. Great speed, of course, from having run at uh, Darwin in the main game, and he brought that speed and took pole on the Saturday and was leading both the Saturday and Sunday races when on both occasions had a shock absorber failure, either the shaft or a spring, and a uh, great pity that in on both occasions he gave up a, a likely win, a very likely win to uh, those other competitors than Jacobson and Pither. Um, on the uh, Sunday race, the Kostecki's Brad, uh, rather Brody and Kurt, came in third and fourth, so uh, they did get something from their weekend. But uh, we're going to come back in a few minutes' time after the break with Jeff Gritch, First of all, discussing Preston High, and then we're going to go a bit in depth and get him to open up about the days of old when uh, Craig Lowndes was a young, young man, not the 44-year-old he is now. So after the break, we're with Jeff Gritch. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Welcome on board to Inside Supercars. Got a real treat this week for uh, all our listeners in that we have Jeff Gritch. Now, Jeff uh, is here in two guises. One, the pure coincidence that he happened to be here on the show when Craig Lowndes announces his retirement. But more importantly, his daily job is with uh, Team 18 or Preston Hire Racing, Charlie Schwerkholt's team with Lee Holdsworth. So welcome on board, Jeff. Good to have you on the on the show. Thanks, Tony. I, uh, I, I'm enjoying being on it. Terrific, terrific. Now, let's just talk about uh, you've been now back in supercars for this is your second year or third year? Third year. And it was Charlie that talked you into uh, joining the team? Yes, it was. Charlie rang me. I was back in Melbourne. Uh, I, I, I'd been, been in the state for a, a few years doing some work, and Charlie you, uh, had heard I was back and rang me, and um, he he was uh, wanting to start his own operation rather than just be a customer. So we had a chat, and uh, that's history. We're, 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 we formed... Uh, Preston High Racing, and away we went. 
And when you arrived, you were virtually, it was a greenfield situation, wasn't it? You had a workshop and you you starting to put all the elements together to run a successful team. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, we didn't have anything. So we uh, we actually hired a, hired a, a shop that was in Dandenong initially um, and had to round up some staff and some equipment. We got a AAA car or bought one of their cars and... Um, we we are now actually Charlie bought the team closer to his his head office operation in Mount Waverley, so we're just behind the uh, the, the the main head office site, um, which is quite convenient because it sort of marries all his business interest into one location. And I'm sure that uh, most race fans out there would have no idea the size and scope of Charlie's operation. He is the king of forklifts, not only in Melbourne but in Australia, isn't he? Oh, well, he's got some, oh, I think it's two to two and a half thousand forklifts nationwide on hire. Um, he's got some very good people in his business. Um, and, uh, but, and part of that is also the, tra- the transport operation. So they actually not only rent forklifts, but they supply service. And so it's a, it's a massive operation nationally, yes. They're sort of Roger Penske numbers, aren't they? Two and a half thousand forklifts, you know. It's sort of inconceivable sort of numbers. It is. It's. Uh, it's like. It is like. I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, Charlie's Charlie Roger Penske's Roger Penske. So I won't try and. Um... No, 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 no. But I, I'm sure that Charlie. Uh, uh, I, I know him uh, pretty well, and I have a lot of respect for the, the man who built the empire he has. But um, the team you have, um, it's uh, you've had some tough weekends, a Sandown, a Darwin, when the car has become uh, somebody else's projectile to throw into a fence. Fortunately, Lee has, uh, while he's been uh, injured on a couple of occasions, bounced back from both of those to be still competing in there. Um, it's very tough as a single-car operation. Oh, absolutely, Tony. Um, look, in, in, in my years in... In my years in motorsport, especially V8s, uh, from its conception, um, it is getting very, it's very competitive. I mean, it's, and a single car operation, unfortunately, you've got no data to bounce off from a, from a second or a third car. Um, and, and operationally, you, you, you know, as a single car, you, you don't have all the infrastructure you can't afford to. So you, you, you outsource or whatever you can. So it is, it is tough, but look, at the same token, um, the racing is close. And if you're around, if you if you stay reliable and competitive, and you're around um, in the field, if someone makes a mistake, even a big team, you can jag a good result. So um, you never throw the towel in, and it's a great category. I love motorsport. The team do, and we just keep trying our best and. And uh, yeah, we're all, we 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 deem ourselves as part of the as part of the show. You know, they need the, all the cars yep. on the grid, not just the Penske's and the Triple Eight. Yep. So um, you, you just you just keep going to every every event, hoping that you can jag some sort of result on on a mistake by the cars in front of you. Indeed, and one of the bonuses uh, that. Uh Charlie and uh, your garage mate um, in that uh, Rob Crawford who's an old teammate you worked together for many years at Walkinshaws 
Um, he was at one stage running the uh, garage for the um, HSV team, and and you were running HRT. And uh, he is, in fact, your stablemate. You share a boom and you share crews to do pit stops. That must be a real benefit for both of you. Uh, mate, it's been fantastic. This year, our our pit stop crew, which which is half a, half of uh, twenty three red and half of Preston Higher Racing are working harmoniously. It's we all get along. Uh, Rob and I get along. All the guys get along, and it, it really is. Um, it really has been Achilles' heel, uh, you know, for for both for both Lee and for Will. Um, uh, I think we've taken a massive step forward in our um, in our pit stop uh, and team camaraderie. We all get along really well, and that. As you know, uh, Tony, racing is all down to the people, and uh, if you've got good people mixing together, you hopefully get good results. Indeed. Um, you've got a very different uh, scenario coming up for the uh, Pertec Enduro Cup because you've got a rookie coming in there. Not a stone-cold rookie because um, Matt Brabham has done an Indy 500 and he's done an awful lot of things, um, but he's a rookie to supercars, and he's... Uh, going to be sharing the car with Lee in the uh, three events. That's correct. Has he uh, had seat time yet? He has a little, yes, he has a little seat time. Um, look, we, you know, it, it's terribly hard in our uh, in our category for, for any rookie, not only Matt, to get enough seat time to, I, I guess, to be competitive and... Um, and 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 come up to speed with with the whole circus uh, quickly, and and that's something you know that's something that supercars need to look at. I think long term for young blokes, because if we don't if we don't change things to make it a little bit easier for a young bloke to come in, uh, or a young person, I should say, yeah, you know, it, it does make it hard. But in saying that, with Matt, he's as you said. He's done an incredible uh, job with. He drives, you know, from Indy cars to stadium trucks to our V8 supercars. So he um, he certainly he certainly got uh, a bit of shine or a bit of his grandfather's um, ability and yeah. and his and his dad as well. So. Oh, yeah, we're hoping we're hoping we can uh, get him enough seat time by the time we get to the events, um, and, and the seat time will even be some ride days and what have you we've got coming up. But um, we're hoping that we can, um, you know, get him comfortable, getting Lee Lee certainly comfortable with him so far, and and hopefully you know we especially Bathurst Bathurst and Tony have been there. You've been there probably more times than I have, but um, Bathurst, if you play it right, even with a rookie and and every you get the team hunt, that is one race where a small team can make a make a or get a big result, uh, providing they're there at the last hour. So, um, and and certainly Matt is showing the ability so far that he could possibly um, working with Lee and they might jag a result. Which um, that brings us into a, a different phase because uh, the very thing that you're highlighting is something that Craig Lowndes 
Um, and there's probably, I can't really think of any person that, who had a, uh, a bigger um, moment um, in the sport than when Craig Lands arrived. And, and you probably were as much an architect as the John Crennans and various other people. But you knew Craig from when he would have a very young lad, didn't you? Yes, yeah, with his dad, um, Frank. Um, yeah, we, we did. And look, Craig, again, it was... And this is where probably supercars... And look, I'm not telling them what to do, but if you look back then, it was very easy to get a young a young person in the car. I'm not saying open up testing the way it was there. It was free. But certainly it was the ability was there to get young a young person in a supercar and, and get some mo- quick miles under their belt and get them up to speed. And at the moment, where we are from there to today, they've shut that process down, I believe, too tight um, for, for any team, uh, whether it's us or anyone else, to actually get a young guy and, and get him, give him a, a little bit more coaching and a little bit more mileage um, so he can go into a season and and have a crack, or or, or a, a, you know for a team to accept accept the young guy, especially if they're a two car team like we were then. You know we had we had Brock, and who was absolutely you know and was king of the mountain. Um, but we were we had the ability to bring young Craig in under his wing, and all of us. All of us around uh, around him, and um, you know it was a risk, but you, you minimise the risk by having a, a young guy, but your, your regular guy as well helping out. So Craig won the 1993 Formula Ford Championship in an older car, um, but clearly, clearly skill and talent, and his dad helping him. You know they got there. Then he jumped into it again, an older car, a Formula Holden. Um, and I think that's when he started actually carrying some signage, some HSV signage on the car. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I think there was a little bit. I, yeah. I know. I, I know when Peter had his own team at, um, advantage, um, yeah. they were also helping out Craig. But we we, we then we, obviously we made we made the approach to Craig directly. He, obviously. He knowing that I knew his dad, and um, we were able to give him a test. And I mean, it's all history. I don't want to go over it, but he, he just immediately showed, you know, his talent in in racing, and and more more probably more so. Tony, it wasn't it wasn't just he was great at driving. The the bloke just lit the team up. I mean, we're all a young group of guys, and. And when you have a young bloke coming with a lot of enthusiasm, and, and it, it it really turned us. Uh, it, I, it was I, I couldn't put it in words. I mean, someone said to me the other day, um, and it was it was nice of them. They they texted me when they'd heard Craig announce his retirement, and they said, Jeff, um, you you and the team never got the kudos. You unlocked the talent. Of Craig Lowndes and and I text back and I said, well, I think you got the, 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 the you got it wrong. Certainly, there was an unlock, but it was Craig unlocked HRT, 
And, and the thing that I know, and 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 I'll I'll just say it because I'm I'm not expecting you're somebody who pumps his own tires up. I mean that you had a team that was cherry ripe for really starting to put the thing together, and so in, uh, you had a young driver coming in who was fast and not telling you rear springs three inches up on the front, the rear wing up two notches, but was coming in and telling you you had a whole bunch of guys like Chris Dwyer, Rob, uh, uh, Matt Crawford, uh, all these blokes, Eric Pender, all of them there, and that they all needed just some input, and that's what Craig gave them. And you you created that scenario where they, it was a a wonderful thing, where a, a cooking pot where all this came together, and bingo, out the other side, came a fast guy. I mean, I, I still think it's one of my favourite statistics of all time is that in 96, on his debut meeting at Eastern Creek, Craig won two of the three races and matched HRT's eight-year history. I mean, it was that this, every element was right. But you in that 93, 4, 5, I mean, the fact that Craig actually um, got a uh, second at Bathurst in that first time in '94. That was a, you. You stage managed that enormously. I mean, uh, there's that wonderful tale about uh, Ricard Rydell not being able to come to Sandown, and then you said we don't need uh, and, and rang Tom Walker and said we don't need uh, Ricard to come because Craig's going to drive with Brad. Well, <laughs> Tony, that that's a probably a nice way that the conversation went. It, it actually. <laughs> Didn't go like that. I can tell you, it was it was pretty heated, and it was a lot of. But but look, all, you know, you're right. R- Ricard couldn't come because his wife was pregnant, and then he didn't bother coming for the second race. And but, but uh, um, certainly, Tom wanted um, he wanted a replacement driver for a car that wasn't Craig Lowndes. So um, I I tell you the. Even though I pushed it, but I couldn't have done it without um, certainly John Crennan's support, and he did not flinch. Oh, I mean, he he was competent from he was competent from Tom to get rid of. You know, if, if that team manager ever talks to me like that again, like get him out of the place. And 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 anyway, I was still there afterwards. Um, I, by the by, the way, the team never got any accolades after Bathurst in '94, which um, you know, and 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 I'm saying that with Craig, you know, he actually pulled the pulled the move off, and uh, I, there wasn't much of a thank you from or, or or a recognition from Tom that he actually um, he what he you know he surprised surprised everyone and actually got the result we needed I mean the other thing was of course that um, Brad was not 100% happy in, in going to Bathurst he'd, he'd, he'd done a fine job at Sandown but then um, he did a terrific drive at Bathurst to, to get uh, Craig in a position where he could put in that pass on John Bauer yeah, Brad. Brad wasn't. Uh, Brad wasn't a great supporter either. I can tell you. But anyway, that's all the history. Um, the, 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 I guess the point of the point of this conversation is, mate. Um, I, I mean, if if I know Peter's up there, you know, uh, Peter's probably looking down, and and when Craig announced his retirement, he's probably. He's probably wiped the forehead and said, "Thank God, there's someone that can take the reins over 
from me. And that's exactly that's exactly honestly and compassionately what what it is. You know, Craig is just uh, a you know he's he's Peter Junior in my book, and uh, and I'm sure he's got much more to offer the sport than he will offer it um, uh, for for many years to go. One thing that I was just going to uh, say about um, is that I think Craig has reached a stage where he, he often talks and, and has for the whole 20 years. I mean, you were there, the, the, the architect of it almost, you and, and Wally Weissel and the way in which, you know, obviously the team was presented by by uh, John Crennan and co. Um, the, Peter mentored Craig and Craig's now at that stage where he needs to be mentoring somebody, helping somebody come on in the same way that Peter developed Craig. Because Craig wasn't naturally somebody who would stand up and talk in front of the public, was he? Oh, no, no he, he's very... Um, I, I mean, Craig was just, just a normal kid, you know. He's, uh, look, he did. I, I got a, I, You know, you brought up a name there, or, you know, uh, and I, Brock was... Absolutely instrumental. There's no two ways about it. He, he, he took. You know, when he saw we wanted to bring, you know, initially he stood back when he he stood back and saw all the blueing going on about you know, and you know other teams and other drivers saying you know this young bloke is not not good and he's inexperienced and what have you. And he didn't initially get him. He watched it evolve. But as soon as the decision was made and and he knew he was. We had Craig in. He really was a great help. And as I said, the second person was Wally, uh, Paul Weissel. He did a he did a great job um, of of um, looking after Craig, mentoring Craig in in public speaking and meeting people and all that sort of stuff. So um, look, as you said, it was just a great bunch of people to be around. I, yeah, that that was my favourite part of history, and I'll never forget it, mate. As long as I, when I'm, uh, you know, when I'm <laughs> too old to even speak, I mean, I really enjoyed that part. It was great to be around all those people, and especially Craig. And um, it's just, uh, you know, it's sad that he has retired uh, in some ways, um, but you know, he he's made the decision. For himself and Lara, his his wife, and hopefully, uh, you yeah, know, we'll always see him around the track, and he'll always be a part of history. And I'd love to see him mentor, find a young bloke like himself, and um, bring him up through the sport because um, we need, you know, we've now got we've now got the new ambassador for for our sport being Craig, and um, he needs to get another young bloke in there. And, and hopefully in the press and higher. <laughs> Jeff, when, you, uh, when you've got racing in your blood and you just live and breathe it, how did you manage to walk away and start a, a completely different venture, business venture, uh, for so many years? Well, it, it was hard. I, it was. Look, it was. But I thought, oh, you know, there was nothing... There was nothing. Uh, there was no opportunity there, and I thought, well, this was this was good, and I, I took it on. I regretted it the first week I I took it on, but you know, Jane and I had spoken. My wife and I had spoken about it, and 
we I had to move on and I thought, well, let's try something different. Um it it was it was good, but it wasn't what it wasn't where my heart lied and um, you know, obviously Charlie Charlie gave me the opportunity to get back into it and I and I jumped at it, you know. Um but it's certainly that five year hiatus doing something else coming back into it certainly was a big eye-opener for me. Like, the, the sport had changed so much. Um, some of it good, some of it, I believe, in my opinion, not so good. But, um, but I, look, I've enjoyed every day I've been back into it, to be honest. I, I love it. And, Jeff, I'm interested. You went off into the, the mining industry there for five years and having been a team manager and having left the sport, uh, how did your people management skills, because that role is is probably more so a people management role than it is a uh, a technical role, isn't it? A- absolutely. It, it, and, and, and to be honest, to be honest, it changed me for the better. I mean, um, just in a lot of little things, a lot of... Uh, um, you, you forget when people are away a lot, um, you know, over in those remote areas, you know, we, we, we would be out in the middle of nowhere for, for, for a month at a time um, and, and staff welfare and just camaraderie, the whole bit was very important and, and I experienced that myself. You know, I had people... You know, I needed a bit of a guidance in, 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 you know, when you're away from, from home, initially for that for lengthy periods. Um, but the same old adage, mate, it, 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 you know, I, I always, my motto was, my personal motto was in, in racing for a lot of years was three things and, and they weren't equal. So you put, you put number one was absolutely your people, staff. Number two, so if you if you have number one at one hundred, at at seventy percent, number two you would have um, your resources and equipment, and and at number three, and and this makes I don't mean to be little, but it's just when you're when you're running a, a, an operation. In supercar, number three was a driver. So, if you got number one and number two, absolutely the best you could, then you could go and get number three. And that it's not it's not to um, it's not to you know number three is still important, but unless you got number two and uh, sorry number one and number two properly organised, you can go and get you can go and get a good driver. But you know, he he won't shine if you haven't got the haven't got the good people around him and also the equipment. Jeff, it's been wonderful talking to you and catching up with you again. Uh, um, you have uh, filled some amazing times in my life and uh, made me aware of things that I was doing right and sometimes I did them wrong. But uh, I appreciate every moment that we have uh, spoken and uh, there've been many many times and. I, I'll make sure that I, uh, when I next get to a track, um, your good wife Jane does she come to uh, many of them? Uh, no, uh, it depends on her. It depends on she obviously works um, works as well. So it just depends on um, right. when she can. But uh, look, 
I try to get her to come along, especially now I'm getting older and uh, we try and my my two boys have grown up. Actually, Tom Tom's a designer at General Motors. He, yes, he just indeed. did a, he just did a stint over in um, in Warren in Detroit for six months. He's actually oh. I, I think they're going to take him back there full time if wow. uh, if I can read the writing on the wall. He loves it and and Aaron's also got his own gig going. So it's Tony, Jane, and I. And, if we can, she she really enjoys the racing and meeting all the people there, and so hopefully, uh, hopefully, mate, one at one race meeting, we, one night we can go somewhere and have a wine and talk about the old times, old and, race facts. Indeed, would love to do that, Jeff. It's been wonderful talking with you again. I'm you've sparked my mind. I must actually try and catch up with Paul Weissel. So yeah, while he's going, I think he's out of the fruit business now. Yeah, yeah, he's, I think he's sort of semi-retired the last yeah. time I spoke to him. But uh, Jeff, uh, we look forward to watching how uh, Team 18 travel over the next few months and we'll certainly at Sandown, if not uh, before, maybe at Eastern Creek, uh, we'll come by your garage and uh, get the latest news. So thanks again for your time on Inside Supercars, Jeff Creek. Okay, thanks Tony, all the best. Pleasure, mate. Thank you. We've got a treat for you this week. We finally were able to coerce Mr. Mark Larkham, ex-racing driver, ex-team manager, team owner, principal, ex-member of the V8 board and various other things, and nowadays a pit lane reporter and guru and one of the people that makes Channel 10 Motorsport coverage better than most because he makes complex subjects simple and we're going to have him on to discuss the... Terrific news that uh, Channel 10 were able to enjoy a week ago when they picked up another um, gold, not not gold Logie, but a Logie award for their coverage of the 2017 Bathurst 1000. So Larko talking about his time on television. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as the supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back, and we don't like it the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Welcome on board to Inside Supercars. We're with Mark Larkham, who is on his way to Townsville, left his family family property and uh, heading to the airport before he gets to Townsville uh, later on today. So welcome on board, Mark. Thank you. Always a pleasure to talk with Tony Whitlock. And uh, I'm sorry if you can hear the wipers going in the background. I can't believe we've just got a shower. I just checked the radar, Tony. I can assure you the shower will go all the way to my fence of my paddock and the other way. Uh, I have the opposite problem. I have nothing but rain. But anyway, that's why I have 100-foot trees all around me. You choose to live down there. I do indeed, mate. I do indeed. And love cutting firewood, uh, and even more so love burning it. But it's been a very big week uh, for you, not because you're driving to Townsville, but because there's been a uh, a great deal of uh, joy around the Supercars TV uh, production unit because uh, they have enjoyed getting a Logie Award. Now, the uh, particular award, the Logie for the Best Sports Coverage of last year, is the seventh time that the Bathurst 1000 has won it, but it was Channel 10 that wins it, but it's a production company that produces it, isn't it? It is, Tony, um, and it's, look, it's, it's an outstanding effort by 
production together, the racing component, can, as do Foxtel, build their own stuff around that for their own uh, sets of viewers. So, um, so, so well done to, to everyone concerned. And yes, I was at ten at the time, and uh, and and good for them for accepting the award because uh, there, there is a lot, Tony, that goes on outside. You know, the core telecast as well in terms of colour stories and following up stories and interviews and all of that other production. And there's hundreds of people, as you know. And then when you actually get to the hand over the race, that's when the real action happens. Uh, and that's a whole other set of people. So as you can see, it's a really, it's a logie, I guess, that needs to be, you know, accepted by, you know, probably three or four hundred people. Yeah, indeed. One of the things that uh, this particular award and the way in which it's been promoted that uh, the Logie has been won by Bathurst was that it highlighted actually your piece, your piece which was done specifically on the shootout lap. Now, uh, Mark, you have a uh, distinction. Um, you know, Mark Scape also obviously has won a, a lot of uh, polls and races and things like that, but one thing that you have is that poll at Bathurst that you you talked about in a five-minute uh, piece to camera, which is superbly uh, written, edited, spoken, and, and put to air, and it is fantastic, because it describes so well the function of a driver on a shootout lap. Uh, you know, congratulations on that piece. Well, thank you, Tony. I'm uh, sincerely uh, humbled, and actually quite humbled that it was um, raised as uh, you know part of the telecast, when for me the telecast was many, many contributors, but... Um, I do have to pull you up about uh, uh, script and preparation and all those sorts of things because I think one of the keys to that working, if, and I wouldn't suggest that it did, but it, you know, if it's been acknowledged, is perhaps the fact that it didn't have a script and what have you. And it was the brain brainwave that Matty White had, and uh, he got me to go down to Sydney. We sat outside the studio. I wasn't entirely clear on where he was going with it, which was intentional. And he pulled me outside the studio and we sat down and he opened a little six-pack. And inside that six-pack <laughs> was six beers. So we sat down and actually had a couple of beers together. Wouldn't we didn't drink all six. We had a couple of beers together. Which, cleverly, by Matt, just put us in a really relaxed mood. And then we went into the studio that was all pre-set up. I hadn't seen any of it, just a dark space. And he sat across from me and we chatted about the lap. And he said, talk to me like you're talking to a driver that drove for you in terms of articulating a lap. And that's that's exactly what you saw. And, uh, you know, Tony, you know me well enough. Um, I don't consider myself at all a TV person. I think the best TV is when it's always just real. And uh, uh, that was real. I was genuinely trying to you know, visualise um, the important aspects of a lap and what a driver goes through. So, uh, so again, mate, I'm deeply humbled that people have, have enjoyed watching that. Well, indeed, but this is not to take away from one of your functions that's been on television. Now, I, I've known Murray Lomax for 25, 30 years, and I know how long Murray tried to convince you to come on board, and you kept on saying, no, 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 I don't want to do it, I'm uncomfortable, people think I'm a fool and various other things. But, you know, he finally convinced you, and then you started in that role, what, in about 08? Yeah, it was 08. Funny, it was when Grant Denyer, remember Grant broke his, uh, yep. funny how the big wheel goes around, it broke his back in the monster truck? Yes. And it was then that Murray said to me, he said, look, he said, I'm not asking you to be involved. He said, now I need a favour. Yes. So that's kind, of, <laughs> that's kind of how it started. So I went to Winton and filled in for Grant, and it sort of rolled from there. The one thing that you bring 
to the broadcasts that no one else has done at all in the time that uh, Supercars has moved to being a major sporting event, not just a major day, as a Bathurst 1000 is, but a major sporting coverage, is that you take complex subjects and make them simple. And there are so many people. I mean, I know big shooters from Gondoblin, Ford dealers from, from out Dubbo Way, all sorts of people who constantly say to me, it's wonderful watching Larko because he makes complex subjects simple. You describe them in a way and bring people into the broadcast. And that's something that hasn't happened often on Australian sporting television. said to you in the past is that you're enticing people into the sport and uh, for 10 years I've been saying to Mark that uh, all his prior work was just training for this job he's now doing. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm kind of blessed mate and I'm very fortunate in my career that uh, I've kind of been able to see it from all angles you know obviously starting where I didn't working on my own car so I learned to sort of be a mechanic mechanic start with so I did have some skill there, but you know, my whole life was working on bikes and cars as a young guy, and so then I tracked my own cars along with my other mates, and then I had to learn how to get money, so I sort of got involved in the commercial side of it, so I didn't have money, so I had to understand sponsorship to survive, uh, and then that kind of grew, and so I ended up being a driver, I ended up being a team owner, I ended up on the board of V8 Supercars for, I think, eight years, now I've worked in the media, so I've been very privileged to see the sport from many, many angles, from you know, from the driving seat to the driver's contract, yeah. uh, having employed drivers and so forth. So, it's, uh, so again, I do feel very fortunate that it's positioned me in a way that, uh, along with others around me, and I particularly talk about my, my, my fellow uh, commentating 
uh, folk, uh, to, to talk about a wide variety of things uh, in and around the sport. And, I, and I've got to say, mate, as you know, I genuinely and really enjoy what I do and breaking down some of that stuff. I, I just... I just feel very, very fortunate. As um, people who, who know me, I, I quite often berate drivers, young drivers particularly, who talk about how lucky they've been in their careers. It's not good luck, it's good management that's got them to where they are. In the same way, your travel, your road that you've taken, the journey, uh, has taken you through all these different paths. I mean, one of the things I, I you and I quite often would have discussions about graphics, and, and it was one of the things that always made your cars stand out because they were always graphically better presented than those cars around them. And was there some particular where that started in your life? Oh, nothing more than I've just always had a, a love of drawing and sketching. Tony, I still, I still do as a little bit of a, you know, a fun thing and gee whiz, you know, how lucky could a bloke be? Some days I'll be sitting in front of a computer in Photoshop at home or on the sketch pad on the iPad uh, working on a concept or something. And thinking, uh, gee, how lucky could a bloke be that he earns his living, um, you know, in a racing environment doing what he loves? Because, as you probably know, there's quite a bit of graphics work, and I have some great graphics people and support around me, but uh, a, a lot of it I, I like to put together myself in terms of some of the stories and elements. And uh, so as a consequence of bending logos around odd shapes <laughs> on race cars, Tony, in Photoshop for many years, for sponsorship proposals, I became sort of first in, you know, Photoshop and some of those computer programs. And it was simply a, it was like learning how to, you know, sharpen your blade to kill an animal to eat. You know, it's uh, the, the, the art of getting sponsorship, as I pass on to young drivers now, is is, is paramount. It's critical to survival in the sport because I don't know anyone that just keeps throwing money at a driver for no apparent reason. Indeed not. Now, your pieces of camera, there was one particular one that stood out this year that I remember when you did a uh, on a, um, a creeper under a car. Um, I can't remember whose car it was, but uh, you took them from one end of the car to the other. It was a fantastic piece, and I doubt I've seen anything done as well, whether it's NASCAR, F1 or anything. It was fantastically done. Tony, wouldn't I be so lucky that I've got the... Uh, or we as a TV team had the support of the teams down the pit lane. I mean, I thought it was fabulous that um, Rick and Todd Kelly let us let us do that. Yeah, they you'll see they taped a couple of discreet parts up with a little bit of black tape and cloth, but um, but it was that typical thing, mate. I thought, you know what? I said to my producers, I actually don't reckon anyone's ever seen or shown underneath the skirt of a car. Yeah. What's underneath those side skirts? What's underneath the front splitter? Yeah. What's underneath, what, what, what connects the front to the back? So... Um, I actually thought I'd get a no, but to the team's great credit, they said, no, no, we'll just hide a few bits and knock your socks off. So um, it was fun to do. And uh, and, and again, mate, again, I, I've got to say I'm so lucky that you know, the, the people around me, you know, back to Fordo, um, Nathan Prendigas now, uh, Matty White, Frank Smith, there's a, there's a whole bunch of them, you know, that um, I've worked around that have sort of just let me, they've given me my own bit of rope to hang myself, so to speak, which has just been fabulous, rather than saying, you know, we want you to do this or that. I think they appreciate that I um, I, I do know the sport and um, I try and think of things like I'm doing for this weekend. I've got some concepts, you know, because it's a street circuit. You know, what do we need to be showing the audience about um, some of the specific challenges that a team will have at a place like Townsville? So, you know, what, is that, what can that look like in terms of vision or uh, some graphic support, um, some ideas and concept, maybe some bits to show you? Um, and that's kind of how it works. Uh, again, I'll bring you to task. That's not 
good luck, mate. That's your good management. And it's because people trust you, because they know you, you're not going to burn them. They know that you have a love and a passion for the sport. It's interesting when we talk about the complexities of motorsport. There used to be people involved in supercars, and I won't mention them by name. There used to be people involved who didn't realise that the complexity of the sport is what attracts many people to it. It's not, is that a goal or not a goal? Oh, should we have a video review? No, it's not that at all. It's the fact that there are so many things involved in getting over the line, whether it's a pit stop, whether it's a rattle gun, whatever it is. And uh, Have you got uh, uh, broadcasts? uh, How many more this year do you run? Well, all of them, don't you? The, the whole championship. Right. But it's a, it's a good pick-up you make because I think to make the telecast overly simple, simple would be to deny viewers of um, some of the really interesting components because whichever way you want to cut the cloth, um, strategy, technical, driver psychology, there's so many facets that make up the picture of motorsport. Um, and uh, we should be so lucky to have so much... You know, diversity of of, 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 um, of elements in our game that can determine the outcome. So I can assure you, mate, I, when I sit down and sort of start to think about what am I going to do this weekend or any other weekend, it's never a shortage of, you know, what could happen, what's going to be interesting. It's really just a challenge of, you know, what you put to wear, what you look, what are the assets you're going to use, uh, etc. and so on. So you, you, you're dead right, mate, and it's great that we have a, a production team uh, and a management team that support that to the hilt. So, you know, I, I can tell you, it's very rare I've knocked at anyone's door and they say, no, don't do that. It's all, you know, I was talking to Nathan this morning, I can tell you about putting the camera underneath the car on the track in a specific spot, you know, and it wasn't uh, office of no can do, it was, mate, how can we do that? You know, just fabulous, fabulous. Yeah. Work yeah. One of the things also that uh, one of your prior hats you wore um, you're seeing the uh, rewards for a young man that you identified and played a role in, in helping him on the climb, and that's Anton De Pasquale. You must be absolutely delighted to see his progress. Well, isn't it great to see him doing so well? And there is a very talented young man, um, and uh, I've got to say he's impressed all of us enormously in the way he's adapted to uh, supercars because, um, I mean, for everyone's benefit, I mean, Anton was... Clearly, from a young age, uh, karting through Formula Ford, where he's a champion. I, I spent a lot of time reviewing the early parts of his career, and it was very obvious uh, this guy had a talent. And uh, you know, my my role really with him uh, a couple of years ago, for a couple of years, was trying to just point him in the right directions on how to approach his racing career across many facets on and off track. And uh, he's done some more work with Paul Morris since he's arrived back here in Australia, and uh, and good on him. He's just doing such a good job because. The adaption from an open wheeler, where he's very good, which is light, nimble, has downforce, high grip, high lateral loads, low centre of gravity, all of those things are vastly different to mastering the technique of driving a V8, or sorry, of a supercar, which, as you know, Tony, many, many never do, including many international drivers that come over here. So the fact that he's been able to do that, because remember, these cars are, you know, Call it 1,500 kilos when they're full of, full of fuel, so that's a ton and a half. Narrow tyre for racing tyre, a hard tyre for racing tyre. Uh, 650 horsepower and a bucket load of torque coming off a, off a corner. High centre of gravity, low downforce at low speed. I mean, it's just everything you don't want a race car to be. Yes. So the fact that a young bloke has been able to jump out of that 
and adapt so well is, you know, we're all very proud of what he's doing and he should be very proud of, his, of himself, as should his parents. And because uh, they've contributed a lot, I can tell you, over the years to, you know, or sacrificed a lot to get him where he is. But, but now, for me, the next phase of Anton's career, um, you know, speed's one thing. He knows what a tough gig this is. It's now uh, managing himself and his race craft uh, to start to build on some solid results. And one of the traps that, you know, many fast young guys get in, because the expectation rises very quickly, is they, they can get caught up in other people's trouble and sometimes their own trouble, trying to exceed their own expectations, and I think it'd be wise for Anton now to uh, consolidate, uh, capitalise, um, and build on clearly the, the, the raw speed. He's impressed enough people now, I just, uh, you know, I think I'm making my point. I don't want to see him try too hard too fast, because uh, he's, he's going to make it there, it looks like. In, indeed not. Um, which brings to a, a point to something that uh, in a future conversation I'd like to have with you. And that was um, the illusion, as it was called, unfortunately, in the latter days. But your open-wheel career, a uh, time when you were banging wheels with Mark Scaife in Formula Holdens, before that Formula Fords, and then when you built your very first car with uh, Pee Wee Siddle standing nearby and a bunch of very talented uh, open-wheel blokes, that uh, you built a car that was in some ways a forerunner to what is uh, the, the car of the future. Uh, in sitting close to the centre line, things. But that's a conversation in future times I'd love to have with you. Great. There's a great line, nice little life lesson there, as you know, Tony, but uh, um, yeah, happy to have that chat at a, at a future time. The other one I would like to get you on with is to talk with Larry. Now, you and Larry had some divergent views some years ago. Um, I know you both respect each other as competitors and all those sort of things, but love to chat to you. So um, enjoy your weekend. Um, we look forward to watching you on television. I don't uh, buy Foxtel because there's enough television in my life without having to watch any extra. But I look forward to the fact that this is one of those weekends when Channel 10 will be broadcasting uh, six hours Saturday and six hours Sunday. So look forward to every opportunity to watch your work. Um, so thank you very much for joining us on Inside Supercars. That's Mark Larkin with Tony Whitlock. After the break, we'll be back with our final thoughts on this week's show. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's tour at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Graham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Craig, your final thought. My final thought is how well is Supercars going to respond to the fact that their only cross-populated household name is not going to be full-time on the grid for 2019? How's that going to affect their, their strategies on marketing? How's that going to affect how they promote the other drivers? Who is the heir apparent to become the household name? It's going to be an interesting time uh, I know discussions I've had with other people have said well you might think that Scott McLaughlin will be the next household name but being a New Zealander that's going to have some bias Jamie Winkup the most you know the, the most brilliant driver of his time 
uh, hasn't had the cut through because I guess you've always had the Craig Lowndes factor there. Is he going to be able to take that next leap and, and become the household name? I, I honestly don't know. How well are supercar fans going to react that Craig Lowndes might have moved earlier than he anticipated if the announcement that Simona Di Silvestro is going to take that car next year? Are the fans going to say, no. oh, Holden, need, Holden were desperate to get Simona in? Roland's really got no interest to run four cars. I don't think he's really interested in running three. And if Holden wants Simona, they've got to put her into a car of, you know, a, a worthy car to be a factory driver. Are people going to look at that and go, removing a, a driver for a marketing opportunity or a, a driver certainly less well-proven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I think one of the things that's uh, oh. happened, of course, is that Todd's already come out and said, Todd Kelly has come out and said that Simona is already a requirement at uh, Kelly Motorsport in a Nissan Altima with Harvey Norman as the sponsor for a third year. Uh, so I don't think that's going to happen. Much as Roland may have been trying to orchestrate things, don't think it's going to happen. I think that the Kellys have uh, got Simona on on a uh, short leash, and she's going to be staying in the, their car. It um, it wasn't as great a weekend as we know that Townsville can be. The racing wasn't as good as it could be. The development series um, was was tight. Uh, you know, two seconds covering the uh, 20-odd cars, um, and certainly some of the other categories like mar- uh, Muscle Car Masters, or rather Touring Car Masters, and, uh, and the Utes were good. 86s were very tight as well, but I uh, just didn't feel it was one of the best towns we've always been. But so much so that the biggest news that came out was all about a man retiring. So um, we'll wait and see uh, what transpires over the coming months because obviously there's going to be lots of things happening all around, in and about. And those will be some of the things that we bring you on in news from around the nation. So thank you from him. And good night from me. Good night. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.